Amen. Amen. Well, the title of my message is, Are You a Fanatic? Are You a Fanatic? And it seems like a strange title, but where I got the idea from, the Lord inspired me, is, you know, if you watch any sports of any kind, you're going to find a zillion fanatics. Even if you think that team just stinks, I promise you there's fanatics for that team. And really, it doesn't stop at sports. In this world, we have fanatics in every arena. I mean, we have fanatics in the the music area, you got fanatics in the fashion area, you got fanatics in everything you can think of in some fashion or form, there is a fanatic. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a definition of the word fanatic to kind of bring it together a little bit. This is something I took several different things and put it together, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to read them all, but I want to give you the one that kind of expresses most of it. All right, you ready? A fanatic could be described as someone whose enthusiasm exceeds what is usual, proper, necessary, or normal, and expresses great zeal, energy, and determination, and is passionately dedicated, loyal, and extremely focused. That's a lot, isn't it? But when you really think about it, and you take that, that describes a fanatic. A fanatic is not an average, normal person. A fanatic is someone who is extreme. In our world today, when we think of the word fanatic, usually they're thinking of someone strapping a bomb to themselves and wanting to blow up an area in some other part of the world or really trying to here. To express what? Well, their, their thoughts and their religion and thinking that uh, when I'm done, 70 virgins will be waiting for me on the other side. Well, believe what you want, but I don't believe that. <laughs> the fact is, though, we call them fanatic. But you know, a fanatic is not a bad thing. There are certain things that we could be fanatical about that would be good. How many know that we could be fanatical about the love of God? Wouldn't that be a good thing? Could you be fanatical about helping people? Right? Could you be fanatical about being patient and kind and loving? Some of you need to say amen to that one because, you know, maybe I could improve a little bit in that area. I mean, I know I could, you know, we can be fanatical about good things. But what we want to talk about is this today in this context. And that is this question I asked last week. Are you a fanatic for Jesus? Now, let me again read what a fanatic what what that description was and I want you to think about that question are you a fanatic for Jesus and so again we said a fanatic could be described as someone whose enthusiasm exceeds what is normal or just necessary they express great zeal energy and determination and are passionately dedicated loyal and extremely focused now that to me when I consider, are you a fanatic for Jesus, ought to be a goal in our life. We ought to want to not be normal or average. We want to exceed that. How many you believe God is not normal or average towards us? I was looking over my notes as I was in my office, and the Lord kind of dropped this in my heart real quick and said, I was fanatical for you. He was fanatical for those in the world. What does John 3.16 tell us? For God so loved the world that what did He do? 
He gave His one and only Son to save you. He gave everything He had. He gave the best gift He could possibly give. Nothing is greater than the Lord Jesus Christ. He exceeds anything that you could possibly think of. God gave Himself through His Son. He laid down His life. Is that not fanatical? I mean, man, we'd be hard-pressed if you had ten bucks in your pocket to give that ten. <laughs> right? What I'm saying is, man, you'd say, that, that's fanatical. I mean, that is someone who's serious about it. Someone who laid everything on the line. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus did for us. Exactly what our Father did for us. He laid everything on the line. He loves you that much. Why did He do it? He did it not just to save you, but what? To be your friend. He did it to save you so that He could get to know you. So that you could be connected to Him. You know, and I have this in my heart. We've got to go there. Go with me real quickly. It's not in my notes, but the Lord dropped this on my heart. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. When I get there, Cindy can bring it up. So go to John 17, Cindy. And uh, give me just a moment because this wasn't in my notes. But the Lord wanted me to bring this up anyway. This is what I want to answer, and, and this is what God was, was looking for when He saved us, okay? Yes, He wanted to save us from hell. Of course, He wanted to heal us and set us free and prosper us and all the good things, but ultimately His goal was to give us eternal life. Remember, what did Jesus say He came for? Anybody remember? He came to what? Give us life and it more abundant and we think life we think but what he really came to do is give us the very eternal life of God himself and put it in us to what end well look with me at John chapter 17 verse 3 John chapter 17 verse 3 and Jesus is speaking and he says this is eternal life that they may know you. Now, this is Jesus praying, okay? That they may know you, talking about God the Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now, that word know means something intimate. Know them. I know my wife. I am intimately acquainted with my wife. I know her. I know about some of you. I know about you, I, I, I know some things, but I can't honestly say, unless you're really close to me, I know you. Do you understand the difference there? What God the Father's desire, what Jesus' desire in saving us, is that we would come into relationship with Him and get to know Him as a person. Get to know Him and talk with Him and have conversations and share things. How many believe, how many believe that, that friends share things, right? What do you do when you get good news and you have a friend? You share it with them, right? You, you're excited about it. And if they're your friend, are they excited to hear about your good fortune? You think God's excited to hear you talk about some of the things that are going on in your life? absolutely he's excited about it he wants to communicate you say well he knows everything anyway there's a difference again knowing about something and knowing someone you get that there's a difference we call it in the bible the word fellowship comes out now i try to avoid that word as much as possible because people have heard it over and over and over and over and over and over and they just think fellowship fellowship fellowship. we have a dinner we call it a fellowship right (laughs) 
<laughs> we say fellowship with this and fellowship with that. That's not a word you use in your everyday language. But let's use another word, communicate. C- communicate. In other words, I communicate with someone. Uh, my wife and I have a couple that we have been friends with for, dear Lord, I mean 35 years now. We got married within two weeks of each other, something like that. And we have been friends all along. All of our kids have grown up together and all gone out of the house, and we're still friends. And about every couple of weeks, we get together on a Friday evening. Now, what do we do? We just share what was going on. There's only so much news I can give them. They've been around us the whole entire time. They, <laughs> I can share stories about them better than they know about themselves and vice versa. But why? Because we're sharing, we're communicating. You know that your Heavenly Father wants that kind of relationship with you. Jesus wants that kind of relationship with you. That you spend time not just going to Him to ask Him for things, but you actually spend time talking to Him sharing things he wants to know what's going on in your life you say well he does know what's going on in my life well listen why don't you just spend some time talking to him and then here's here's the thought shut up and listen to him see you ever have a someone that you get uh, get with and they never shut up they're just blah, 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 and you look for that one opportunity it's my turn and i i shove a word in there but it doesn't last very long Because the minute you take a, they start talking again. Well, you know what? Sometimes we do all the talking with the Lord. I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Thank you, thank you for giving me this. And that's as far as it goes. And I imagine that God sometimes feels lonely in our fellowship. I'm talking about us personal, on a personal level, level. He feels out of phase a little bit because we're not, just talking to him to share with him. We're just going to him when there's a problem. Here's a big difference. If my children only came to me when there was a problem, wouldn't there be something wrong in that relationship? If they only came to me when there was a problem. But it, it's enjoyable when they come over just to come over. I just, just wanted to text you say, Hi, Dad, make sure everything's going okay. And just communicate. You know, just call me, just come by, you know, just take us out to dinner, whatever it is, but just communicate, just connect. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Don't miss out in that in your relationship with the Lord, because a lot of Christians do. They go through life, and I'll be honest with you, they've missed out on the best part, getting to know God as a friend, as a person, as someone that will, you know that, that what does a friend do? A friend shares secrets with you. Do you know that if you get close enough to the Lord and listen and He can trust you, He'll share secrets with you? He'll show you things to come and He won't share it with other people? That's a good thing, guys. I've had the Lord speak to me some things. Oh my gosh, I'm thinking, why would you talk to me about that? Why would you show me that? When you, you know, there's so many more important people than me. And He's like, because I can trust you and you're my son. You're, you're my friend. I want to talk with you. Amen? And so I encourage you to fellowship with the Lord. Just encourage you to spend time with Him. Amen? And just start with a little and work your way up. But when you, when you talk to Him and you pray, don't just ask for things. Amen? Talk to Him like a person. Talk to Him and say, Well, uh, Father, I, I hope you've had a good day. <laughs> I know that may seem strange, but that's because you're not talking to Him. He might say, oh, it's been a tough one, son. There's been a lot going on. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, I remember one preacher, the Lord spoke to him and said, tell me a joke. <laughs> and he's like, 
what do you tell God that he doesn't already know? <laughs> and so he just did some silly moves and some funny things. In, in his spirit, he could just tell the Lord was just enjoying it, just laughing. You know what I'm saying? Just enjoying it. The Lord wants to be around you. Amen? That's why he saved you. Amen? Not just to avoid hell. Now, that was all bonus. has nothing to do with my message. All right, directly. So let's jump in. So we're talking about being a fanatic. So what we're saying is a fanatic is someone that's what? That's on fire. That's loyal. That is an extreme follower. In other words, a fanatic's life expresses their love for God. You can see it. Isn't it amazing in our world, though, in our culture, you can be a fanatic about just about anything in life. But if you get a little crazy for the Lord... If you get fanatical for him and you're changing your lifestyle to flow with his word and you're following the spirit of God, that people will say, what? You're going a little too far with this thing. You're going a little bit crazy. I I remember, uh, as I mentioned last week, several people in my life that were praying for me when I was younger to get more serious about the Lord, to turn my life around. And when I did and I got all on fire for God, then they're like, whoa, 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 I didn't mean that far. I didn't mean actually lay your life down. I just meant, you know, give your life. You know, say the words to the Lord. I want to hear them in church. But they didn't really expect me to actually change my lifestyle, actually make decisions based on what the Lord was leading me and what the Word of God said. And that was where I went a little too far. Well, you know what? So be it. I'm glad Jesus went as far as he did for me, and I'm certainly willing to do the same. Amen? Amen. So we looked at a a couple of areas. That's why I want you to to consider listening to last week's message to help fill in some of this. But basically what we're saying is that we're not called to be normal. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) You're not normal. You know, you're not supposed to be normal anyway. You're not supposed to be just the average person. You're not called to be that. You're called to be Christian for a reason. What is a Christian? A Christian is a follower of Christ a follower of Christ. That means I'm taking his word and it's changing my life because as as God reveals things to me, I make decisions and change things in my life. That when he speaks to me in my spirit, I change the course and the direction I'm going. Well, that's being a follower of Christ. Follower of Christ is not going to church. Dear Lord, there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians in, in America that think, well, I go to church, I am a Christian. No, that doesn't make you a Christian. That makes you what? The average person. (laughs) amen say it with me say i'm not normal isn't it freeing just to say that i'm not normal so i asked you a question last week i want you to think about this throughout the message are you ready if someone were to examine your life would you be guilty of being a christian without actually confessing it without actually saying it could someone look at your life if they're close enough to you and examine your life And look at, for example, how you deal with things in your life, how you respond to people, to circumstance, what you do, the activities you're involved in, those type of things, without you ever actually saying something about Christ or confessing Him as Lord, could you be labeled as a Christian by just looking at your life? That's important. Because a fanatic would absolutely stand out. And I believe we should stand out in our life for Christ. I believe Jesus stood out everywhere he went, did he not? I mean, look at, just read your Bible. And Jesus showed up, man, things were stirred up. I mean, it wasn't like Jesus snuck into town quietly and no one noticed. 
That is not what happened. He, he was not afraid to stand out for his father. He was not afraid to, even at 12 years old, you know, he said, remember when, he, when his parents were looking for him and they found him and they're not too happy, okay? They're traveling and they're like, where's Jesus? And, and, and finally they catch up with him and they see him teaching a bunch of these guys over here, these religious guys, and, and Jesus says, what? I must be about my father's business. Now, I'm sure he probably didn't say it just like that. But what he was saying is, is that, listen, don't you understand that I have to obey my father? Don't you understand that I have to do what he tells me to do? Not follow the pattern of what everybody else is doing. Not follow the religious stamp and say, this is what I'm supposed to do. But I'm going to obey the Spirit of God and I'm going to obey the Lord. So what we said we're going to do in this message is we're going to give you six characteristics of a fanatical Christian. And last week I told you, write that word fanatic down vertically, F-A-N and so on and so forth. And we're going to fill in each one of those. And uh, we started last week. So let's review the two that we hit last week. We said in, in the word fanatic, that word, the letter F stood for fearless. Everybody say fearless. A fanatic is fearless. Now, Sometimes people can hear that and they can say, wow, that means without fear of any kind. I didn't say that. When I say fearless, meaning that they are not going to make their decisions or be ruled by fear. Everybody is going to deal with fear in their life. Fear of some sort, whether it be fear of speaking, fear of heights, fear of this, fear of that. You, 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 you're going to face things. What you need to do is walk through them. In other words, Sometimes it means facing our fears head on and say, I know the Lord told me to do this and I recognize the fear, but I'm not letting that fear stop me. I'm going to do it afraid if I have to. I'm walking right through it, but I'm not going to stop because of fear. And see, fear is usually what stops most people, just stops them in their tracks and, they, and it wants to put them in a corner somewhere. It just says, shut up and just sit there. And you've got to make a decision. I will not allow fear to stop me from doing anything. Specifically, specifically, what the Lord has either revealed in His Word or He's told me in my spirit. I'm going to obey Him. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I pointed this out last week that God has not given us a spirit of fear. God doesn't have any fear to give. In fact, everywhere you read in the scriptures where God shows up, what does he say? Don't fear. Fear not. In other words, I don't want you fearing. I don't want you worrying about anything. I don't want fear impacting your life. He's acknowledging fear exists. He's just saying, don't let it stop you. Don't allow it to operate in your life. And that's a concept a lot of people, wow, you mean to tell me that I'm not supposed to worry? Nope. Can anybody tell me what worry ever accomplished? I'd like a testimony, please. I want you to raise your hand and tell me what worry accomplished in your life. Other than maybe give you gray hair early, other than more wrinkles, other than ulcers, other than, I'm talking about a positive thing that worry produced. Well, I'm a mother. I'm supposed to worry about my kids. Isn't that what I'm saying? I'm, if you're mature and you're an adult, you're supposed to worry about your finances. Isn't that what we were taught? That's what we're told. The reality, though, is worry doesn't impact anything other than hurt me. 
That fear that I'm allowing in my life just stops me and controls me and it's hurting me. And so what we need to understand is God didn't give us a spirit of fear. What did he give us? A spirit of what? Love, power, and of a sound mind or peace in our life. That's the spirit he gave us. He gave us those things so we could walk right through fear. But we don't stop. Fear never stopped you. Think about it in your life. Fear never stopped you literally. You let it talk you out of what you wanted to do. But fear is not a physical force. It did not stop you. You could have just marched right through it. And that's what you do with what God gave you. With that spirit of power and of love, a sound mind, you just barrel right through fear. You just say, fear, I'm not going to deny that you're there, but I'm certainly not going to let you control my life. Amen? So a fanatic for Jesus is fearless. They're not going to let fear rule their life. The the, The letter A is for active. A fanatic is active. They're not dormant. Okay? There's a difference between a Christian who is active and a Christian who is dormant. There are many... Christians who are just dormant. No one would know. They're just there. They're not doing anything. But a a fanatical Christian is active, is active. Luke chapter 10 verse 27 says, So he answered and said, Jesus speaking, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Listen to me carefully. You cannot love God with your entire being, with everything you are, without action. Without Just saying, I love you, Lord, doesn't mean anything. If your words don't line up with action with it, then your words are meaningless. And so real love has action behind it. It's doing something. It's acting on something. Listen carefully. If we really believe the Word of God and we're going to love God, then we obey His Word. That means we do His Word. We act on His Word. If we really believe it, if I really believe that's the Word of God, and He's speaking to me, then I need to act on it. I need to do it. Amen? I'm telling you guys, right there, right there is something that, that catches a lot of people. That they find, well, I, I just don't know how you could do those things. I just do it. I just just do it. I mean, and again, sometimes I do it afraid. I just act on it. I just, if that's God's word and that's what he told me to do, then that's what I'm going to do. Amen? Amen. All right, so we need to understand that, again, faith is moving. Uh, faith is active. And so we are not dormant. All right, so let's jump into today's real quickly. We got a few letters left. You ready? N in fanatic. N is for, you like this one. You ready? Neurotic. Neurotic. My wife often calls me neurotic about some things. A fanatic is neurotic. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. A fanatical Christian is neurotic in the obsessive sense. And what I mean is the fanatical Christian is obsessed with the Word of God. The fanatical Christian is obsessed with obeying the Spirit of God. The fanatical Christian is simply obsessed with their fellowship, with their connection with the Father, with 
Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. They're obsessed. They're living their life based on it. They're obsessed with it. That's a good thing. How many believe getting addicted to the Word of God and getting that Word of God in your heart is a good thing? Could you go wrong? Is there any way, could you get too much of God and explode? I mean, could you go overboard loving God? Is it possible? Is it possible to go overboard walking in the love of God with people? It's not, is it? You can have all of it. And I encourage you, get obsessed with it. Have your life just, it's all focused on God. Have your whole life orbit around God. Everything comes back to Him. Amen? Every decision, every thought, everything I do comes back to Him. That's being neurotic. And in that sense, that's a good thing. Remember, earlier we told you what the, what the definition of intense meant last week. And it says this, a person marked by or expressive of great zeal, energy, determination, or concentration. In other words, that's intense. That's a person that's very focused. They're intense. Well, that's the way we ought to be about the Lord. Not in a crazy way, okay? Not in a way that gets away from the Word of God. You'll never go wrong. You'll never get weird if you stay with the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Where people get weird, listen to me carefully, where they get weird is where they begin to wander off from the Word of God. They begin to wander off from good teaching. They, then they get goofy. Well, <laughs> I want on fire. I want a lot of zeal, but I want it focused on the Word of God. You'll never go wrong if you stick with the Word of God. And I've been around some fruits, flakes, and nuts. And not just California. Okay? I have been around some people that were just bonkers in some things, you know? I mean, yeah, they love God, but they got off in some things. Or they started believing some weird stuff. Stay with the Word of God. Stay in the middle of the road. Stay faithful in church. Be under a good pastor. Hear the Word of God and be hungry and grow and stay with the Word of God and you'll be okay. You won't get weird. But again, how they get weird is they get off some. But we do want to be neurotic. We want to be neurotically intense about the Word of God and our fellowship with God. Amen? Should it just be something that we occasionally look at? Or should it be something that we're always looking at? We're living our life. In fact, in the Old Testament, they were told to put scriptures, they'd put scriptures on their forehead. They would put the Word of God everywhere. In other words, confessing it continually. Why? If you keep it before you, what will you do? You will tend to what? Be a doer of it. You'll act on it. Well, you can't take breaks from the Lord and expect things to work in your life. You can't take vacations from Him. You need to be a fanatic. All right, the next letter is A for attentive. Everybody say attentive. Pretty good. Most of you are attentive. Let's try that again. Ready? Attentive. Yeah, everybody did it. That means you were all listening. You were attentive. In other words, a fanatic is attentive. Now, some of you might remember the story about a young boy named Samuel. Samuel's mom couldn't have children, and so finally she basically went to the Lord, and God blessed her with a child, but she made a promise that she would give that child up to the Lord. In other words, the child will be raised up under the Lord. And so what she did was she had her son and she gave it over to a prophet named Eli. Eli was up there in years. He wasn't as sharp as he was at one time. 
He wasn't, you know, and I don't mean he was old. I just mean he just wasn't as sharp spiritually like he was at one time. But one night, one evening, the Lord began to speak to Samuel. He's just a young boy. He hadn't heard the word of the Lord yet. Okay, He didn't recognize it, and so he thought it was Eli in the other room calling him. So the young boy gets out of bed, runs over, wakes up Eli, <laughs> and says, Eli, what do you want? And Eli says, I don't want anything. Go back to bed. And so the, <laughs> the kid goes back to bed. The Lord said, Samuel, and wants to talk to him. And so Samuel thinks, Eli, what are you doing? So he goes up and he wake up. You know, what do you want? And they do this a couple of times, and finally Eli wises up. And realizes, I'm not seeing anything. No one else is saying anything. It must be the Lord. That's when I say he wasn't as sharp as he used to be. Okay, So he said this to young Samuel. He said, next time you hear that voice say this. Say, here I am, Lord. And the Lord will begin to speak to you. In other words, just stay put and say, here I am, Lord. Well, what I'm trying to say is we need to be attentive to the Spirit of God. That there's so much noise in this world, there's so much going on that, that we can hear things, but we're not just hearing God. But God is speaking to us. How do I know that? Well, John 10, 27 tells us, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Say, I hear his voice. If you're his sheep, you hear his voice. In other words, he's the great shepherd. He saved us. So if you're born again, if you've received Jesus in your heart, if you're following him, he said, you can hear me. You hear my voice. Don't ever say, I don't hear God like they do, or this person or that person. You need to say, I hear God. And the listening, when he begins to talk, that's why I say when you spend time with him, shut up. Let him do some talking. Just say, Lord, I want to hear from you. You speak to me and get quiet. I promise you, he's speaking to you. But it's like this. It's like a a, a radio. I'm talking about the old-fashioned kind, not the digital kind. Okay, where you had a dial. Everybody everybody know what I'm talking about? Because some may not, literally. What's that? It's like the old phone on the wall. <laughs> or a phone on the wall why would anybody put a phone on the wall oh you mean the charging one you know the wall charger but anyway the the old-fashioned radio okay you'd have a dial and you obviously would what you were tuning into a certain frequency right and remember how sometimes some stations were fussy you know you just had to get it just right and, and then you could go ahead and get that in. Well, the Lord's speaking to you, and He's speaking to you in a certain frequency, in the Spirit. He's the only one in there speaking to you. God's not sharing space with you on the inside. In other words, you're not going to hear the devil on the inside. You're going to hear the devil out here. So what you've got to do is you've got to distinguish between out here, all this noise, and your Spirit. But where the Spirit of God speaks to you... You dial in and get that frequency. Got it. I got it. I know how to hear him. What's the best way to know how to hear God? Get in his word. If I'm in his word, when he speaks to me, it's always going to line up with his word. He's going to sound like his word. So the more I know his word, the more I'll recognize his voice. You ever get a phone call from someone you didn't know? And you're like, you know, and they'll say, this is so-and-so. Like, who? Maybe, maybe you hadn't talked to him in a long time. But if my wife calls, I recognize her voice. I hear her all the time. Well, if I'm in God's Word a lot, 
then I'm going to recognize the voice of God. Because why? It's going to line up with His Word. It's going to sound like His Word. Amen? God's never going to tell you to do something that doesn't line up with His Word. Never. Ever. That's one good way to stay straight and narrow and not not get weird. (laughs) Is stay with the Word. Amen? Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. In other words, listen to the Lord. Listen to His Word. Be attentive. The Lord is speaking to you all the time. All right, T in fanatic. T is for tactical. Tactical. A fanatic is tactical. The word tactical means this. It means actions carefully planned to gain a military end. What I mean is, we got to have strategy when it comes to dealing with the enemy. The Bible says that we are called soldiers of Jesus Christ. You can look this up if you want. Philippians 2.25, Philemon, verse 2. Well, let's look, though, at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now let's look at it again. Just slowly absorb this verse. You therefore, everybody point at yourself. Say this is talking to me. All right, it's talking to you. All right, you therefore, so you and I, therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You are a soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. In other words, the soldiers that are out there, let's say they're in war and they're doing things, okay, they're active, they're not worried about paying the electric bill. You understand what I'm saying? They're not involved in the affairs of life they're not like oh my gosh i wonder if the lawn's doing okay in the middle of an active situation you're right all that stuff is outside that's taken care of that's why we what that's why we pay soldiers right that's why we provide benefits we provide them why keep your mind on what you're doing be focused here well you and i are called good soldiers of jesus christ and we are in a battle We're in a spiritual battle, and we're to keep our minds where? Where they should be, not lost in all the affairs of life. That reminds me of Matthew 6.33. Jesus said what? Seek first the kingdom of God and His way of living and doing. Not be focused on, how am I going to do this? How is that going to happen? How am I going to have enough money for that? And get lost in all these things. Don't do that. That's how you'll be a good soldier. That he said what? If you look at uh, verse 4, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. What's our desire in life? It should be what? To please God. Right? To please God. Well, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to be about. But we can't be pleasing God and pleasing the world at the same time. That won't work. You've got to let go of the world. In other words, trust God. He's got everything in control. Put your focus and your energies towards Him. Again, you and I are soldiers in a spiritual battle, not a physical, natural battle. Listen to me carefully. The government is not your problem. Your mom or mother-in-law or father-in-law 
or sister or brother or cousin or neighbor or whatever it might be. They're not your problem. Your boss is not your problem. It's a spiritual battle. There are things that you can't see influencing the things you can. And so what we need to do is keep our eyes focused where they are to be. Ephesians chapter 6, let's start with verse 10 through 16. This is the new living. It says a final word. Be strong in the Lord. Are we supposed to be weak in the Lord? What does he say? Be strong in the Lord. Say it with me. Say, I am strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Notice you're not supposed to be strong in yourself. God's not asking you to be a superhero. He's saying, be strong in me. Be strong in me. How do I get strong in Him? I get strong in Him by obeying His Word, by being obsessed about obeying His Word. I'm lost in Him. Now, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. The devil has got plans for you. Did you know that? The devil has plans. What? To steal, to kill, to destroy He don't care one. He will show you no mercy. He is just out to destroy your life. Why? Because he can't hurt God, so he does his best to hurt God through us. He can't do anything to him, so he's focused on us. But the Bible says what? Put on your armor. Be prepared. Be strong in me as you face the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting, verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, after the battle, listen to me, after the battle, in other words, who won? Did Jesus already win it for us? So after the battle, we know who's going to win right? We know we have the victory, right? And that the Bible says that we overcome this world by faith. We already know, but we still have to face the battle. We still have to deal with these things, but we know we win. Isn't it wonderful? We know the outcome. Amen? That thanks to Jesus. Verse 14, stand your ground. Stand your ground after the battle, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared in addition to all of these hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil in other words you and I are winners all the way around if we just follow Jesus he already won he already beat the devil so we know even though that we have to face these things spiritually speaking we're going to win we've already won it that's that's not even an issue you know The book of Acts, the term Acts, is talking about Acts, literally. The Acts, the Acts of Christians, what they did. Like a history report of the things they did. Well, that book is still being written, but there's another term that that I heard a long time ago that I really like on Acts. Okay, what does it mean? And it means active Christians terrorizing Satan. I like that. Active, not dormant Christians Is a dormant Christian affecting Satan? The average Christian, the normal... No, it's the fanatic. It's the active ones. The fanatical ones are terrorizing Satan. I like that. I mean, let's go around terrorizing the devil. That's just exciting. 
terrorize them. Just terrorize them. You know, the Bible says, listen, the Bible says that if we will resist him, we will resist him that he will run from us in terror. If you look it up in the Greek, it actually says that. He will, he will run away from us like a dog be tail between his legs. Running away. He's that scared of us. See, the devil comes across big and bad and powerful. Man, the Bible says someday we will look at him and say, that raisin is what caused all these problems? Well, how did he do it? Because of deception. The, dece- the, the, the devil will just, man, whoop you all over the place if you're ignorant of the way he operates. But if you get in the Word of God and you obey the Spirit of God, man, he is, psh, he is not even a concern. He is below a concern, man. He is below the basement. He is <laughs> he's below my feet. Amen? That's right. He's below my feet. Like a piece of gum that I squished on the ground. That's the devil. That's where I'm going to keep him. How about you? Amen? So we're to be armed and ready. Listen to me. The Word of God is an offensive weapon. That's why the Word of God is called the sword of the Spirit. It's an offensive weapon. Remember, how did Jesus handle the devil? Remember? And uh, when he went to... uh, The Spirit of God sent him to be tempted. Remember? And remember, he didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. And then the devil comes along. What did Jesus do every time to counter what the devil did? It is written. Everybody say it with me. It is written. And he would take the Word of God, and he would take it like a sword and just stick it to him. And after three times, the devil gives up. <laughs> I'm done. I mean, I, it's, it's over. I lose. And he just whimpered away, looking for another opportunity. He wasn't completely giving up he's just like you know there's nothing i can do now that's how you need to deal with the devil but if you don't know the word of god then how are you going to pull out the sword of the spirit if you don't know the word of god then you're like oh the bible says and the devil's just sitting there laughing much like you're chuckling now falling out of the chair laughing the bible says (laughs) you know and he's just rolling why because he's got you right where he wants you you're ignorant And he can just run and play and romp and mess your life up and destroy your family and cause sickness and disease and steal your money and do all kinds of things because you're foolish because you didn't do what Jesus said. Hear the word and what? Do the word. Everybody say it with me. Hear the word and do the word. All right. I, I is for involved. Let's real quickly go over these. A fanatic is involved. A fanatic is a participator, not a spectator. The Lord gave us a command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he gave us very specific things to do. And in Mark 16, 20, he said, and they went out. In other words, they went out. What does that mean? They heard what he said and they went out. All right. They went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. The Lord working with them. Say it with me. The Lord working with them. You know, the Lord wants to work with you. But you got to obey. You have to honor Him. You have to do what He said to do. But He wants to work with you and confirming the Word through the accompanying signs. Meaning, He's not going to let you down. You're going to see these things work right before your eyes. But He only works with those who do what? Who go what? They went. You go out and do. you got to do something. Let, let's look at this a little closer. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 in the Amplified. It says, for we are, everybody say it with me, we are. 
Now look what it says. We are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together with and for God. You are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation. You are God's building. What does that mean? That means we work with God. Say it with me. I work with God. Can you imagine having a partner like God? How many believe he knows a little bit? How many believe he's got some power? How many believe that he's everywhere at the same time? Wow, man, talk about a partner, right? I mean, and he needs nothing. (laughs) It's all about you. He doesn't need anything. And so he's working with you, all right, with you to accomplish his purposes, what he wants to see in the earth. But the Bible also says that you are God's vineyard. You are God's, listen to me, you are God's garden. What does that mean? You're his garden. What does he do? Well, he he fertilizes that garden. He takes care of it. He feeds that garden. He protects that garden, doesn't he? He provides for that garden, doesn't he? And he he gets rid of things like weeds that don't need to be there in your life, doesn't he? He's, He's getting rid of the junk. What is the purpose of the garden? What's the purpose of the plant? To grow to flourish, to become all it can be. Isn't that what God wants in your life? For you to become all you could be. But you can't do that without Him. You can't do that resisting Him. If you choose, I'm going to do it my way, then you're never going to be. Listen to me carefully, everybody. You will never become what God intended for you to become. You will never fulfill what God intended for you to fill. And it's far greater than what you think. It's far greater than what you think. Don't think, well, I've done everything up to this point. You think you've done it. There's a lot of things in your life. He's been behind you. He's been the one motivating you. He's been the one pushing you. And he has a purpose. Amen? Listen, we are co-laborers with God. And that requires our involvement. We can't just sit on the sidelines and watch. we got to get in the game. We need to be involved in church. Let me say that again. We need to be involved in church. We need to be involved with our giving and prayers. We need to be reaching the world. Listen, reaching the world will not happen by Christians watching Christian television. All right, There's a lot of people think, oh, I went to church this week. I watched so-and-so on television. Man, that's not getting involved in life. That was you sitting there watching the boob tube. I didn't change anybody's life. Everybody say amen. That's good preaching. Listen, we are, we are to be active partners with God in ministry in our everyday life. Everyday life. And again, what will he do? He will work with us and he will confirm the word. And then I'll tell you, you can look back at your track record and say, man, look at all me and the Lord have done. Now, heavy on the Lord, okay? Heavy on the Lord. But you were involved. You were connected. He he couldn't have done it without you, but he's working with you. Amen? All right, and finally, fanatic. The last letter is C, and that is for Christ-like. Christ-like. A fanatic is Christ-like. Listen carefully. We are known for following Jesus as a Christian, which means being like Christ. That's where the word Christian came from. In the book of Acts, if you read, they were called Christians. They were followers of Christ. And back then, it really wasn't uh, meant to be a nice statement, okay? But praise God, I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be called a Christian. Amen? I want to be labeled as a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. It doesn't mean I know something about Him. It means I know Him. Amen? 
So I want to encourage you. What is a Christian? What is being Christ-like? That means all of our words, our thoughts, our actions line up with His Word. A true Bible Christian is a person who is a living example of Christ and how He lived. Amen? In closing, I want to wrap this up by saying this. A fanatical Christian is fearless. He's active, or she's active, neurotic, attentive, tactical, involved, and Christ-like. So I have one question to all of you. Everybody ready? Listen, are you a fan of Jesus, or are you a fanatic? Are you a fan of Jesus, or are you fanatic? And I truly believe every single one of us should strive to be a fanatic, not an average person. We want to stand out for Christ. We give Christ everything because He gave us everything. And so, as I said a moment ago, I want to encourage all of you, make every, every, every thought that you allow in your mind, every word that comes out of your mouth, every action you take in life, give glory to God. So ask yourself, when a thought comes in, is this glorifying God? If it's not, get rid of it. Say, no, in Jesus' name, I'm not going to think like that. And see, we can feed on the Word of God that helps us in our thought life. And then the words we speak. The Bible says, as we've been talking about on the last couple weeks on Wednesday night, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So in other words, before we speak a word, is this producing life or is this producing death? If it's death producing, I'm not saying it. Think about what you're going to say. Here's here's an interesting thought. Think about what you're thinking about. (laughs) Most people are like, huh? Think about what you're thinking about. And a lot of times we're guilty of not doing that. We just kind of just blab anything that comes into our mind. And we'll just think on anything. Don't allow yourself. Daydreaming is wonderful, but make sure it's under some level of control. In other words, is it a good thing? Is Is it producing life in you? Or is it producing death? And then every action, everything that we do, how you spend your time, how you live your week, is it glorifying the Lord? And then make some changes, make some adjustments, and do little by little by little. You don't need to do everybody says, I'm going to give my life to the Lord 100% everything, all the time. And so they, they jump out there and think, man, I mean, that requires me spending five hours a day in the Bible, four hours a day in prayer. Somewhere in there, I get some work and I'll sleep. That's ridiculous. We can't do that. What we need to do, listen, is be living examples of the love of God. We sacrifice every moment of every day say this with me say i am a living sacrifice for the lord that means that's exactly it i'm a living walking talking breathing sacrifice to the lord i'm always thinking of him and when i'm not i adjust that and when we have someone in our life that we can be a blessing to guess what you're full of life now you can share that life isn't it wonderful when you have the right thing to say at the right time God connects you with someone. You pray, Lord, help me help that person. And then he fills your mouth with the right words right at the right time. Man, there's nothing greater than that. Nothing nothing better than helping people. Amen? There's nothing else you can take in this life other than people. I promise, you came to this earth naked. You are leaving the same way. You're taking nothing with you. You can hold on all you want, but (laughs) you're not taking it with you. The only thing we can take with us is what? People people that we helped connect to the lord amen in one fashion or form so say this with me say i'm a fanatic for the lord
Now say, now say it like you mean it this time. You ready? Say, I am a fanatic for the Lord. Amen. A fanatic is what? Not average. So that means I can't talk average. I can't be normal. Amen. We're not normal. Isn't that wonderful? We're not normal. That explains a lot in life. You know? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. God is so good to us. Aren't you glad you came today?